Take a walk around your neighborhood and find a large tree. In fact, go even further and walk amongst the forest, admiring the woods that have stood the test of time. If you don't have access to a forest, imagine for a second the sturdiest tree that you can picture. Perhaps it's a massive oak, roots sprawling and anchoring it deeply into the fertile ground, branches spreading out, reaching for the sky. This tree in the midst of sudden turmoil remains a beacon of strength and resilience. No matter the harshest of seasons, the brutal winter frost, the scorching summer sun, and come what may, it stands tall. The oak tree's resilience is its key to survival, its lifeline. It is a testament to the truth that the strength of your roots determines how you withstand life's fiercest storms. The problems we face in B2B SaaS are not nearly this dire. Most of us are not dealing with life and death or the threat of persecution. But there is still a metal, much like that resilient oak, that we must have to survive our own storms. It's a world where rapid innovation, fierce competition, and constant disruption are the norm, not the exception. Just like the oak, it requires deep roots, a solid foundational strategy, a resilient team, and a product robust enough to weather the winds of change. Enter Makita Mikado, a man who has come to symbolize resilience in the face of harsh conditions in SaaS and the world beyond it. Mikado's journey from humble beginnings to the helm of a major SaaS company, PandaDoc, is a story of persistence. He faced personal hardships, navigated through real-world issues concerning his company. Like that sturdy oak, he stood tall, unbowed, unbroken. Mikado, much like our metaphorical tree, he has anchored himself deep into the bedrock of his convictions, creating a company that not only survives, but thrives even in the face of crisis. In today's episode, we dive into the life and times of Makita Mikado, the CEO of PandaDoc. We'll talk about how he and his company navigate adversity, his strategies for maintaining resilience, and why he believes resilience is the bedrock of any successful venture. So tune in as we explore the lessons Mikado has learned from his own trials and triumphs, and what we can learn in our own journey in the B2B SaaS landscape. Prepare to be inspired, enlightened, and equipped with the tools to weather your own storms. From Paddle, it's Protect the Hustle, where we explore the truth behind the strategy and tactics of B2B SaaS growth to make you an outstanding operator. On today's episode, Mikita Mikado spoke to Andrew Davies at the end of 2022 about harnessing resilience in the SaaS world. They talk about the PandaDoc origin story, navigating unthinkable tragedies, advice for founders to build their own resilience, maintaining growth in spite of challenges, and resilience being experienced versus taught. After you finish the episode, check out the show notes for a look into Makita's resilience. Then, while you're leaving your five-star review of the podcast, tell us what resonated most about Makita's story. First up, the PandaDoc origin story. Fantastic. Well, Mikita, thank you so much for joining us on Protect the Hustle. Perhaps you can just give a little bit of background behind yourself and how you came to be doing what you're doing now as CEO, CEO of PandaDoc. My name is Mikita. I was born in a small Eastern European country of Belarus in the city of Minsk on the outskirts of it. I was actually born and raised there. And when I was around 19 years old, I got this wonderful, fabulous opportunity to come to the U.S. and start my American dream. PandaDoc is a part of it. Very, very cool. So talk to me a little bit about the founding story of PandaDoc. So why PandaDoc? Why this space? What was the origination story? 
it took my co-founder and I a very long time to build Indodoc. And we didn't really have a single event that helped us to make a major leap or there hasn't been an overnight sort of... This hasn't been an overnight success story. We built one business that helped us to learn and establish expertise in the world of web content management. That business turned into, uh, created an internal problem that my co-founder, my co-founder was eager to solve. That became a, our first B2B SaaS product, which was very similar to Pandadog, but much narrower, much simpler. Then that led us to more learning and desire to aim higher. And uh, that was the, that was the thesis, that was the foundation for Pandadog. So sort of one thing led to another. This other thing led to something else. And then slowly but surely we got into Pandadoc. In essence, Pandadoc is a is an online account management system for contracts, proposals, all kinds of transactional documents. And when was that? Like fifteen years ago, sixteen years ago. That's kind of like where our beginnings were with content management and automation. Talk to me about where Paddock is now. So the size and shape of the business, the customers you're serving. You know, clearly you've, you, it's been a long and winding road to get here, but it's an impressive company that you lead today. Yeah, we help more than fifty thousand businesses to streamline their work with proposals, contracts, all kinds of uh, transactional documents that you would use in a business setting, and we help hundreds of thousands of businesses globally to sign documents electronically for free. US, UK, South Africa, Chile, Brazil, it doesn't really matter uh, where that business is located as long as they have to deal with contracts, votes, proposals, agreements, business forms. Pandadoc is a pretty good solution for that. And what is the, the North Star by which you lead the business? What's the key metric that you're tracking? We'll look at a, at a variety of metrics, but as a B2B software, we look at ARR. It's a really good predictor predictor of our forward-looking revenue, the value that we deliver to our customers, because you know, it's linear to the value that they sort of share back with us. Next, navigating unthinkable tragedies. You mentioned you know you're you're clearly a you know US headquartered business. The Minsk office is shut down. You know, I've read a few of the articles around that story, that journey. I'd love to hear it, you know, hear you kind of look back at that period. Was it twenty twenty when you were in the press through that period with employees who were being detained? Must have been a, a massive added complication for a leader of a business over in the US to be facing those challenges. It was very challenging. It is challenging to try to build technology business an authoritarian state. Well, and then when that authoritarian state turns full-blown dictatorship, that's just impossible. Yeah, 2020 was extremely difficult for Pandadoc. The last two years were very, very hard. The country where we started, Belarus, has seen a a few waves of uh, protests and peaceful protests, but which were retaliated with a lot of violence. I took a stance against that violence, and as a result, four of our employees got detained in retaliation to my stance. It all ended. They were all out of jail shortly one person was detained for almost a year but it's been a it's been a really 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 difficult year and then uh, right after that all was over with because of that we made a decision to to move out of belarus opened operations in ukraine right after that in 2022 russia invaded ukraine so yeah so the last two years have been extremely challenging for people on the team because 
people had to move their families, relocate. It was, you know, scary. It was very, very scary, very difficult. Uh, there's been a lot of pressure. Share one story. Uh, the When they shut down our office in Belarus and freezed all the payroll, uh, so people wouldn't be able, uh, our employees weren't able to, to get paid for, for months. What happened is only one person out of like 250 quit because of that which speaks to the resilience of uh, of our pandas and camaraderie that there was and hopefully there is on the team so yeah so last two years have been extremely tough but no matter where our pandas are now today they remain strong resilient and we remain together even if let's say in kiev our employees have to do their work utilizing power generators diesel power generators which is very very tough i mean this whole like getting work done while while your city's shelled is very very tough and i mean the the situation in kiev you know i i'm i'm based in in london normally it feels very close to home because we've got we've got eight ukrainian refugees living with us who fled through that process who are constantly getting whatsapp messages and uh, you know all of the the inside scoop from their families back at home so you know, that office, has that decreased in size? Have, you, have some of those people got across the borders? Are you maintaining maintaining your team there? Or how are you thinking about supporting people through these this political unrest and then now the invasion? In a few ways. One of the ways we support people is by supporting Ukrainian charities, initiatives, and causes. We believe that this terrible war is going to be over. Ukraine is going to win. And that's going to change things for better not just in Ukraine, but in the entire region. We did have a relocation program before the war uh, started, prior to the war starting. We still have it, but I mean, Ukraine is the country of Ukrainians. And many of them don't want to leave, rightfully so. We do have an office now in Warsaw. We have an office in Lisbon. We support work remote and anyone who wants to go anywhere and, and work from anywhere can do that. But yeah, a lot of our employees are involved in various causes, you know, various humanitarian or fundraising activities that require them to uh, stay within Ukraine. And then honestly, at this time, what's also important is uh, just human empathy. And while we we can't, I mean, we're not there, we're not in the situation, like we, we can't fully understand what's going on and how they feel, but we should be trying. And now, advice for founders to build their own resilience. And so through this period, you must have learned a huge amount about communicating with your employees, communicating with your pandas. You know, is there anything you wish you'd done differently or any frames of references that you, you've learned through that period on how you can bring people with you on this journey and how you can support them as being a panda employee as well as someone who's facing these issues? For sure. I learned through mistakes. I learned through different perspectives, through advice. It's very hard to communicate in the, at the times of like such stress, it requires proper training and knowledge. I didn't have, I don't have, I will probably not fully have ever. Yes. So there's been a number of cases where I wish I I said or written or expressed myself differently. So yeah, man, it's not an easy job for sure. 
you talk very casually about these things, but you must have unbelievable resilience to have walked through those couple of years while still leading the business. So there are probably many people listening who don't have the same level of crisis to walk their employees through, but still are dealing with, you know, whether it was through the COVID, now the recession with layoffs, walking through people's difficult conversations. What what advice do you give to, to other founders in speaking to their employees, you know, confronting them with truth, in helping them through these difficult processes, whether it be political, whether it be social? You know, Andrew, in my case, like, the advice I'd give is surround yourself with uh, co-founders and team members who are really good at things you're not very good at. For instance, we just discussed communication, kind of communication, and that's not necessarily my strength. I'm an action man, as they say, and I have a bias for action. I have a bias for moving, pushing, driving things forward. It's pretty typical of CEOs, but like that, that also uh, sometimes leads a few blind sides. So, and I am fortunate because I have people in my team that I feel like as a team, uh, when we come together, we complete each other and help each other out a lot. So that's you know that's really the that's really the the first that's the first advice I'd give. Another thing I'd probably mention is which at times is also one of my blind sides, and which my team helps me to sort of which my team overcompensates let's just say compensates is lead with empathy we had three core values uh, learning making a positive impact and having fun this is sort of the why behind our efforts at pandadoc about two years ago when all that crisis started uh, my co-founder insisted that we add uh, a fourth value which is empathy being pathetic to customers fellow pandas and people that surround us. So I think at times of crisis, it's important to make decisions fast. It's important to, to make decisions timely, but also and act timely. But it is also important to be empathetic and sort of understand fully how people feel, what they think, and what are the, how you can sort of make them feel better without necessarily doing something or like, pursuing some kind of action. So that for me was, those were my learnings. Maybe that's why I'm giving that advice now, because when you go, aha, then it kind of sticks in your head and then you want to pass it over. Very cool. And how did your investors support or play a part in this? Because that must have been a, a new situation for most of those, surely. Our investors, we're blessed with investors that we have, with the work we have, have been very supportive through all these times of, of crisis very supportive. Since the beginning of the war, I know that the funds that invest in PandaDoc took an action and did a number of good deeds, uh, donations to pro-Ukrainian charities and causes. I mean, things like this, they, they definitely impact the business. So they've been very patient with us. The company still performed extremely well, despite all the external factors, extremely well, has been performing extremely well. However, when I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and something massive is happening to the company and uh, something scary is happening, then like it's very hard to, to keep calm. Yet they did. Next, maintaining growth in spite of challenges. You know, it sounds like the experience you've been through should have been a massive distraction to growth 
and would have been the best excuse anyone could have had for why things weren't going well at Panda. So how do you how do you feel you've been able to juggle that with your team to continue maintaining the growth and health of Panda Dot while while also you know battling on these other battlegrounds? Well, Andrew. I'm asking myself how. It has rolled though. Like the business has rolled. You speak about how having other people around you with different strengths is part of that process. So so how have you how have you sought have you, you know, tried to seek out people who are different to you in your co-founding team and in your leaders around you? Is that something you've been intentional on? I've been intentional on it. However, I think I wouldn't be one hundred percent truthful that like uh, saying that we're all different in every aspect. Like I there are a lot of similarities and there are a lot of differences. Yet, yes, I've tried to be intentional about hiring teammates who are much stronger than I am in the areas where I like suck. Like, like we're really good in the areas where I just, where I'm really bad. And that, like, I think paid pretty good dividends. That I think paid pretty good dividends to me personally. And when you sit now, hopefully without crisis of this same magnitude coming up in 2023, although we're all entering into an environment which has, you know, certainly some oh, economic challenges. I kid you not, that was my wish for, for New Year's, like for the Santa in 2021, that like, well, 2022 is not going to be like 2021 and 2020, that it's going to be much better, just going to be sort of calm and and steady and, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Let's hope that 2023 doesn't have the same challenges, but what, what are you planning for? How, you know, how long a horizon do you plan on for PandaDoc? How are you looking forward to next year? You know, what, what's in the future of, of PandaDoc as a team and as a business and as a product? Our vision spans four years out, yet <laughs> it's four optimistic years. Most likely it's going to take us a little longer to fulfill that vision, more like six or seven, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll try, we'll try to be fast. We'll try to run. A vision uh, spans four years out. What we try to do is we, what we want to do, what we aspire to do is we want to eliminate inefficiencies, bureaucracy. Uh, we started with transactional documents, contracts, proposals, forms, quotes, all that paperwork, especially the kind of paperwork that goes in between different companies, different businesses, or in some cases, businesses and consumers. That's the that's the workflow that we try to streamline, try to make fully digital. Unlike many other solutions on the market, we have a truly cloud-born digital product where documents can be edited, collaborated on, automation can be injected into those documents so that transactions are fully digital versus, you know, you send a PDF to someone, you got to download it, upload it, yada, yada, yada. And then the negotiation process, process goes into the email and there is an e endless email thread and yada, yada. So yeah, so I, like, I've, I've gotten into describing PandaDoc and advertising a little bit, but hey, we're on a podcast or I guess. So yeah, so we have a lot of plans. Like we're still, I feel like in a very small fraction of the total addressable market, I think millions variety of various businesses uh, can uh, use PandaDoc and benefit from it. And that's what we aspire to do. So your vision is four years, and then I'm sure you must have that broken down into some much smaller chunks when it comes to you know product and, and value that you're building. So how do you think about the four-year vision that's probably pretty fixed, and then the timeframes you must be working on in order to you know hit your targets day to day? Well, every year we put out a strategy. Actually, we're going to announce 2023 strategy to all of PandaDoc tomorrow morning. 
every year we share a strategy. There is an operating plan that backs that strategy. The strategy likely the strategy has a number of initiatives. Each one of the initiatives has its own strategy. Each one of the initiatives has some kind of a set of KPIs and goals. And then we move in months and quarters and try to keep up with our plans. And now resilience being experienced versus taught. I'm thinking back to that topic of, of resilience. You know, many investors look for resilient founders, resilient CEOs in the companies they invest in. How do you think about, you know, that strength that's clearly been in, developed in you? Was that something that was developed in prior experiences before these crises you've been in over the last two years? Could people have spotted that resilience? Or is that, that something oh, that's, that's made from hard experience? I don't know. For me, personally, I think it's my grandparents who had this, like, plot of land with a little shack where for some reason every weekend they wanted to like they use it for farming and they didn't mind child labor so it's like <laughs> for me personally that's where my resilience was built or rather like that's the yeah that's the most mundane and tedious labor that I remember so that now when I click, click, clack a computer, I don't feel like it or it feels hard or whatever. Then I remember those potato digging days and I'm like, dude, you're so lucky. <laughs> Keep at it. Like, and is there a way of developing resilience without facing those hard times or experiencing those hard times? I don't know. There are probably millions of those ways. It just, when I think about it, potatoes come to mind. It's like potatoes and, and like whatever. But yeah. That's what comes to my mind. And when you look around, you know, in your in your leadership team, your co-founders, do they have similar stories, do you think? Oh, my co-founder sure does. Same country. Same. Because food supplies shortages or something. I don't know about other folks. Well, you know, they have their own stories. We all were, were kids and uh, we all likely had to do something hard or tedious or routine or uh, you name it. And I'm, you know, I'm not a pro in psychoanalysis to truly know how that, how resilience gets built. But if that's how, if it's just a feature of training, sort of, then maybe you can just train it, hopefully, right? Perhaps we can come all the way back to, to PandaDoc and the value proposition. As you go into next year, like, how do you think about your perfect customer? What are the attributes of the perfect customer? So people listening to this, how can they find themselves in your ideal customer profile? What's the, the characteristics they have that means that they would be a really successful uh, user of your product? Really successful user of our product is a business that wants to streamline their work with contracts, proposals, business forms, all kinds of agreements. Most of businesses, unless we talk about some like Uber consumer companies, most of businesses deal with contracts. Most of businesses deal with contracts. Many businesses have some kind of CRM implemented and uh, have their CRM or HR workflows recorded in some system record. Well, if you want to save time on generating contracts, proposals, or quotes, if you want to get them signed electronically, check out Pandadoc. There we go. What a way to end. 
Shout out to Makita for being on the show. Now you have a better understanding of his resilience. Today, we talked about the PandaDoc origin story, navigating unthinkable tragedies, advice for founders to build their own resilience, maintaining growth in spite of challenges, and resilience being experienced versus taught. Make sure to give Protect the Hustle a five-star review and tell us what lesson from Makita was your favorite. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to and tell your friends about Protect the Hustle, a podcast from Paddle Studios, dedicated to helping you build better SaaS.